This show is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The episode you're about to listen to was originally recorded on July 31st, 2018. Sounds like someone could use an allergy pill. <laughs> is it that noticeable? A little bit. <laughs> you guys are talking like this just a little bit. I don't know, getting sick maybe. I've had, my allergies have been bad lately. I haven't been sick in a while. I thought spring was supposed to be worse for allergies. Yeah, it's been a weird summer. It has. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of hail lately. <laughs> Have we? I, I, I hadn't noticed. I it the, the hail may be less severe than it otherwise would. It's, it's hard to tell, though. Yes, it may be, Mike. And why might that be so? <laughs> uh... Yeah, no, I mean, we, we 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 got our learnings on about hail recently. I think it was a couple months ago at this point. A month ago, at least, I feel like. I want to say it was a month ago, but I'm not 100%. I'm also just getting off like a, a three-week... No, sorry. Last weekend I had off. But before that, one weekend I was... I think I was in Edmonton. And then I went to Yukon. And then my dad was in Edmonton. And then last week, I purposefully tried as hard as possible to not do anything so that I could just rest. And here we are, about a month later. Yeah, that's, the math checks out. We're, de- we're definitely at the fifth week right now. Okay. Yeah, so Mike and I sat down, not with anybody. We sat down with a bunch of people in a sweaty, dark room. Fashionably was- late. Actually, I think we were past fashionably. <laughs> I think they had given the couple minutes like, oh, anyone else coming? Nope. All right, let's start. And then Mike and I walked in. They, they definitely said, are, are you Mike? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think they're definitely waiting like literally for us. Yeah. So, I mean. And then we sat front row. Yeah. Which was a great way to learn. They were the seats but, I wanted. Yeah, totally. Now, who was the presenter? Okay, full disclosure, before we get any further, I don't have my notes with me, so this is going to be a very uh, vaguely vague detail-filled conversation. Oh, um, awesome. So. Awesome. This is great. <laughs> But I mean, that's that's the interesting parts is the non-specific details. I think um, it was it was put on by the University of Calgary Alumni Association. They're the ones that I guess advertised the event, and it was put on like the organizer was someone who goes by the Twitter handle Chasen Storm. So basically, a storm watching, storm chasing group interest group i guess we'll call it a special so. interest group might one might say uh yeah. they were putting on a talk about uh hail mitigation through cloud seeding and mm-hmm. it was something that i had heard about passingly in the news or just general awareness of stuff that goes on in and around calgary i guess and yeah. I, I was never fully i never fully looked into what was involved with it i had kind of ideas of how it worked and the idea behind it the purposes all that kind of stuff but i thought a technical discussion on the nitty-gritty details of cloud seeding and how it works why we do it the effects of it all that kind of stuff would be a good opportunity to to get my my learning on and for for those who don't know i i tend to look for those types of things to do for fun nick's i think this is the second thing that you've come to actually the first thing was the movie Contagion that was followed by a mini Q&A lecture session. And then we went to oh, a talk then... on nuclear nuclear waste disposal yeah. and corrosion pertaining to that, which longtime listeners might know is an area of interest of mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And so I knew this there was... is now the third thing we've done together. Yeah, I knew there was something more than, than just the movie thing. So, um, But yeah, no, I've, I've been to some math ones and some other 
some of the kind of other other talks that the University Alumni Association puts on. So this is another opportunity to check it out. Uh, it was held at the Dalhousie Community Association, I believe it was. I have no recollection. Yes, I believe it was Dalhousie. And yeah, as you were saying, it was a dark, humid, uh, very fully packed room, which was good to see the turnout. I think there was definitely more than I expected. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people interested in storm chasing and hail mitigation and just general sciencey nerdy stuff yeah and i found it was an interesting group and particularly this always happens during questions but you can tell where people are from based on what kind of questions they're asking because like i piped up with so silver iodide why silver iodide and other people are like so uh what's the most damage you ever did to a plane and those are like the pilots and then there's mike we'll get to your question later to bring it back to the internet um the two things we learned right off the hop which i found interesting were um that there is an official hail belt from about what is it olds to calgary even further southeast than calgary i think it's stretched down that's right yeah. yeah so when as far north as olds and i believe down into sundry and down into like Vulcan, that area. So the southeast, right, right, southeast strip up to halfway to Red Deer. Yeah, and the other thing that I found really interesting was that this isn't a government-funded venture. This is privately funded. So I mean, on the note of the the Hail Belt or Hail Alley, was Hail Alley? I feel like it was Hail Alley. I think that's alluding that to right. Tornado Alley of fame around oklahoma there yeah um now before we get too far into it the hail alley or belt or whatever you want to call it i guess it's an alley because it's kind of north south versus east west yeah um it was based off of insurance claims not yeah, of, yeah. not not of quantitative amount or size of hail it was based on claims of hail damage which in theory should correlate with hail severity yeah, One and that think. was both crop insurance and, uh, you know, the private insurance in bigger cities. And so they said, basically in their suppression efforts, I remember the figure that 1% suppression fully funds the project, which is awesome. They run for about three months in the summer and have five planes, I think. And they were talking about how they choose where to suppress hail if, you know, there's a problem. And they basically said, and, you know, if anything is going towards Calgary, like, we just scramble all the planes to go to Calgary. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They, good, they, good decision-making process. I yeah. Like they, they definitely focus on the urban areas and more highly populated, more expensive uh, regions to for the insurance claims. And that kind of leads us into what you were saying before, Nick, that this is a private privately funded venture it's not government funded which one of my preconceptions of cloud seeding and hail mitigation was that it was a government initiative you know for the benefit of us being the residents of canada or Blurida or calgary or whatever whatever government was funding it they're doing it for their own residents but it turns out that it's actually you know literally all the big insurance companies in and around alberta are funding this cloud seeding effort so that their insurance claims are overall lower yeah which makes total sense but also it, it is a unique model within the world because i mean the first time i heard about cloud seeding and this is not just hail seeding uh like people will try and get clouds to rain for a variety of reasons i remember i think it was the 2008 summer olympics in beijing where they they actively seeded clouds so that it would rain before it got to the events. And I thought that was just some wild and crazy thing when I first heard about it, but turns out we do it here too. Yeah. They, they actually showed a graphic or a map of the different types of hail seed or types of cloud seeding used around the world. And I believe the hail seeding was primarily on the prairies like Alberta, Saskatchewan, and then you'd get into, and then parts of Colorado and Utah, I believe. And then you'd get into like the rain for like encouraging precipitation, like to fall on specific places versus 
getting it to precipitate outside of certain places. Uh, that was done in around California and those southern states for obvious reasons. Um, right. And I believe there's one other type of seeding, and this is where it would help to have notes with me, but I believe there's rain uh, to promotion, I guess we'll call it, and then the hail mitigation or the hail reduction, severity reduction. And I f think there's a third one, Nick. I don't know if you recall what the third one was. Today's show is brought to you in part by ATB. On this show, we're frequently talking about the future. Where's technology taking us and how can we benefit the most from it today and going forward? As a consumer, it can be exciting to get the first release of a product or software, but it often comes at the risk of it not functioning perfectly or a better model coming out shortly after. I know I'm often on a lot of the beta software versions and I run into my own types of bugs, uh, software not performing, not you know, staying open, crash, have to submit bug reports, all that kind of stuff. And even when it comes to new devices, there's often new models coming out that have higher definition cameras or better smart functionality. And it can get a little bit frustrating, but I know for, for myself, I find it worth uh, being an early adopter of technology and software because I get to see some of those new features uh, before a lot of other people do. So ATB ensures a balance of prioritizing their research and implementation of up-and-coming technologies to best benefit their customers using a three-horizon structure. Horizon 1 is an immediate market need. There is high demand, but also high market competition. An example of this would be ATB's machine learning research. Horizon 2 is at a 60% market assuredness. Less demand, but a definite place for it in the market, such as voice interaction with home AI assistants like the Lady in a Can or Google Home. Horizon 3 is on the 5 to 10 year scale. Uh, an example of this would be something like body implants for the wearable tech space or quantum computing. To hear more about ATB's 3H methodology, head to atbalphabeta.com to learn more. Thanks to ATB for supporting today's show. Well, you can get it to rain out before it gets to you. I but guess, even then, yeah. like they were saying, they, and this was surprising to me as well, that the conversion rate for moisture in the air into rain is actually super low it's somewhere in the range of seven percent or something like that so in any case you're trying to boost the efficiency of that dropping or in the case of hail that was a little confusing and i don't know if you can help remember this or not but they were saying with hail anyway what they wanted to do was you want to prevent lower numbers of hailstones moving around within the supercell so you want to seed a bunch of little ones to try and get them to fall out before you get like the big hypothetical tennis ball sized stones dropping. Yeah, my, my understanding of this system was that you'd have the hailstones start off as droplets or they they basically uh, have like a nucleation site. I, mm -hmm. I think it was, I feel like it was dust particles. Like, like hail doesn't form unless there's something to form around like that nucleation site. Right. So, but the longer that that, hail sits in the cloud the bigger it gets and it's not until it reaches basic like some sort of critical mass or temperature that it freezes and becomes so dense that it doesn't sit in the cloud in the system anymore so the idea behind the seeding was to inject the silver iodide which was what was primarily used uh, in the environments around canada was to lower that freezing temperature so that it didn't have to sit in the cloud as long as it otherwise would i mean it could but you you do get like apparently it is mostly ice up there when it nucleates just because of how low the temperature is what was mostly ice basically anything that isn't cloud like if you're getting precipitation forming that's mostly ice <laughs> I, i'm trying to or, now, now that was I'm my understanding being... based okay. based on the temperature in the clouds see this is why we needed one of them to be a guest on here and they could yeah, I mean, it's it. possible in the future. We will send them this episode and say, listen, <laughs> we tried to talk among, amongst ourselves. It was awful. We need you to come on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, this this is, the, again, the technical details aren't super, super important for the, the overall general discussion. Basically, you're, you're, the silver iodide is, Nick, you can kind of get into it, what silver iodide is. Well, it's a salt consisting of silver and iodine yes and what is the purpose of this to provide a nucleation site for water 
to gather around. Yeah. Uh, long and short, it, and he said some things which made me try and look into it further. And I think what it is is that uh, it must share a similar enough crystal structure or charge distribution that it encourages water molecules to form around the little particulate of silver iodide in there and apparently that was more more or less an accidental thing that they discovered but once they discovered that silver iodide did it and is more or less non-toxic like the worst i've heard happening with silver is there was a guy who there was a politician in the states who drank it drank tinctures of it <laughs> like silver specifically <laughs> But he drank and because silver has antibacterial properties. So he's like, oh, this is great. I'll just drink some of it and it'll clear all the bugs out. But he ended up turning blue because some silver salts are blue and dabu dee dabu die. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, what's the saying about like, it's not the poison, it's the dose or something like that? I can't oh, remember it's... what it is. Basically, it's not it's not what's the, in it, the but dose it's how makes, much the dose makes the poison. Yeah, that's it. I knew poison and dose were the same. I couldn't yeah. remember. Dose is important, <laughs> but like, yeah, like there's contaminants or particulates and stuff in the water that we drink anyway, and in rain for that matter. Um, well, I guess rain is more or less pure, um, but just no, the, it's formed around some sort of nucleation site. Yeah, but I guess the point being is that like you're never gonna be drinking pure water. In fact, you need some sort of like solutes in the water, like for just to stay healthy, like the minerals and whatnot. Like I'm sure you can go without silver, but the amount that's in <laughs> the, the amount that's in the water that you're drinking wouldn't be enough for you to even your body to even notice it. Oh no, and actually the reports I've heard of people drinking ultra pure water or very, very, very pure water is that it tastes funny because you're used to having some level of flavor to the water. And so it's the sensation of wetness without any of the flavor, which people find off putting. But also if you drink enough of it, because the water is so pure, it'll leach ions out of your body and you'll eventually die from dehydration, which you can do with large amounts of tap water, but it happens much quicker with purified water. Would that be water poisoning you're referring to? Or is that uh, something different? Ironically, I think it would be dehydration you would die of. Because the ions, the ionic strength of your body helps to keep water in your cells. So once you're stripped of the electrolytes, sorry. Once you're stripped of those electrolytes, you don't have any forces to hold water in your body and you can die of dehydration. And that's why salt tablets are used for extreme cases of dehydration hmm. also on the nose note of nucleation sites i don't know if you knew about this but uh, it's a common theme among organic chemistry where sometimes you'll have a nice little round bottom flask and you should have crystals falling out and it's just not happening so what you have to do is you have to reach in with a scupula or whatever and just scratch the side of the flask and then you'll see all of a sudden you'll see all your crystals form right there around the scratch. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Nucleation sites, surprisingly important. It's similar to the, you know, the elementary school experiment where you make the rock candy in the yeah, super saturated water and then you stick the string in and the crystals form around mm-hmm. the string or the stick. I guess that's just how they make rock candy in general, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not just the experiment, it's the actual way they do it. Um but yeah, no, I, and, and that's kind of where I became familiar with nucleation, the concept of uh, having a nucleation site in general. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was interested to, to hear that that's kind of the purpose of the silver iodide was was uh, encouraging that precipitation, the premature precipitation uh, to fall over a certain area as opposed to, to the more populated, expensive area, we'll call it. Uh, and, you know, as much as this is privately funded and, you know, desired by the insurance companies, it is a regulated practice in Canada anyway. Uh, like all of this activity needs to get approved and tracked and recorded and all this kind of stuff. Again, I, I don't know who is doing the oversight. Like there's at least record keeping and some level of superficial accountability going on. I don't know. Like it's, it's I mean, double- I'm sure the aviation authority has something to say about it. Even outside of that, I'm just thinking from the health aspect as far as, you know, your 
you're firing this stuff into the clouds and it's raining on top of people, right? Like there needs to be some level of oversight and accountability to to know that this is something safe and and approved. I'm imagining I'm imagining the crazy Albertan cowboy stereotype. I need to go to the clouds. You can't stop this. There's gonna be hail. There's gonna be hail to pay. And then now, Scooter, you can't just go around dumping silver iodide everywhere just because just cause the whim strikes you. And, you know, feel free to jump in. Well, I was, 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 was going to say, you know, on the the topic of people doing it themselves, like, you can actually do cloud seeding from the ground through what are effectively missiles, which I thought was really cool. Uh, they showed yeah. a video of, I think it was the Russians that were firing off cloud seeding missiles yep. into and that's i think that's cloud. how the chinese did it too yeah so the the topic or the comment that was made back when the uh the last hurricane came through florida and texas and people were saying that they should just be shooting at the the hurricane <laughs> is is it's not too far off from the truth of what they do with with hailstorms because we need we, to shoot at the hur- yeah. hurricane. No, no, you don't understand. The bullets will do nothing. You need missiles. <laughs> Silver iodide missiles. There you go. Yeah, but also, like, that is one way of doing it. Or you can have, in keeping with the stereotypes, you can have the more civilized appearing method, which I think it was the French and perhaps other metropolitan European groups do, where it's just kind of like a little stove mm. where you pour silver iodide and acetone or ethanol or something together and then just let that go for a while and they said if you catch it three hours early you can get successful hail suppression but well we'll talk i I don't know why but i felt that that was more like a placebo effect (laughs) it's like let's just let the stove run for a bit and see how it does like i can't see that being nearly as effective as shooting things or spraying things directly into the cloud I mean, you definitely want to believe just at a base level of excitement that either the rockets firing into the clouds or in our case, because we saw a video of it and it looks just spectacular. People going on the windward side, I think, not leeward, but windward. The updraft, the updraft side. Yeah, the, the not like the tail end of the cloud ish because it's going a certain way right. you're coming in yeah. at the back of yeah it. exactly yeah. and they're just kind of like skirting the updraft so that they're kind of like going through clouds constantly you almost expect to hear a whoomp as they hit it and that's where they're dropping the charges you want to believe that the crazy person in the airplane with the wee little like candle slash rockets of silver iodine you want to believe that he's doing he's doing a better job than like the people just standing at the little stove, you know, 20 kilometers out of Paris going, I certainly hopes this works. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's like literally the least you could do is like have the stove, <laughs> the stove cooking and being like, I'm sure that's making its way up to the cloud. It has to be. It's going up. Where else would it go? <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um so nick what what was your take on the whole the whole deal i am absolutely on team hail suppression i i am right in i am so i've bought in so hard right now i think it's great i also like i silver iodide is integral to some of the chemistry i do at work so i mean there's that obvious connection there but I, and granted, you made the point that there is the possibility that those uh, vertically integrated liquid plots that he showed us, basically, if you look at weather radar, you can see a storm tracking along and you'll usually see like a red part in the middle of some greener parts. It's basically a track of that just over the course of the storm. And the plots he presented to us, it did look like the more extreme precipitation was suppressed for as long as the cloud was being seeded. And once the cloud passed the major urban center, or the seeding stopped or whatever it was, once it got past that point, 
it did seem like the intensity returned to the very center of the storm. And he did, he did consistently estimate that the hail suppression was between, I want to say 26 and 40% in that range or so. But he also said that if it's suppressed by 1%, it's fully funded. So like, what's the equivalent of drill baby drill for seeding clouds with silver iodide? Spray baby spray? Yeah, yeah. Fly, my pretties! Fly! (laughs) (laughs) But in planes. It's the Wicked Wicked Witch of the West, too. I was gonna say, on planes instead of broomsticks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and silver iodide instead of monkeys i guess yeah i think that's how that works this episode is brought to you in part by back to school again a podcast about people who made the decision in midlife to return to school back to school again is a podcast hosted by katrina ingram who talks about her experience of going back to school more than 20 years after graduating and features conversations with a wide range of midlife learners the podcast is made possible with the support of Norquest College in Edmonton, which recently opened an innovation studio. The innovation studio is a place where business, industry, and community partners work alongside students and researchers to explore training opportunities and solutions to today's business challenges. Learn more about Norquest at norquest.ca and check out Back to School Again podcast at backtoschoolagain.ca. Thanks again to Back to School Again for supporting this show. So, like, I, I want to point out that the scientific I community, bet you do. the scientific community does have something to say about this. Uh, I think they heard from at least two major scientific bodies that they could not find any substantial evidence one way or the other that cloud seeding had any effect on hailstone severity size or volume or otherwise this that's purely from a statistical analysis quantitative basis um now these density plots like the the time track density the vertically 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 integrated liquid yes that says one thing you know the amount of precipitation or liquid in the system but that doesn't indicate directly hail and the size of the hail and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's, that's where the scientific community is not able to say that the cloud seeding has any effect one way or the other, because, because there's no real easy way to measure how much hail fell over a given area. I believe it's also worth noting that there was no conclusive disproof of the efficacy either. Right, and that's that's what that's what I mean. It's is inconclusive. Yeah, yeah. And and that's I mean, that's totally understandable because like I mean, weather itself is notoriously chaotic. It's chaotic to the point that you can make reasonably random numbers from tracking like wind in places. Like that is how some organizations get their reasonably random numbers. But yeah, I I think you make an excellent point. As much as it pains me, it's not because my point. I want to see that co- that cowboy <laughs> in the sky shooting shooting at the clouds. Um, but yeah, they did they did mention that it, it's inconclusive one way or another, and that is a big reason why Canadian governments, anyway, haven't jumped on the the hype train for cloud seeding. And it seems like when you see governments actively going towards cloud seeding. It's something like California where they're like, oh, sweet Jesus, we need rain. We'll do anything. Please just get it to rain more. Or something like the Chinese government going, you know, we want a really nice event. And if there's any way we can get it to not rain on that nice crowd of people there, well, we'll go ahead and shoot rockets at that cloud. And and I think in all three cases, the conclusion has been if the money spent and the effort spent to seed the clouds for whatever purpose it is has any sort of effect in the positive sense like so if it does actually mitigate the hail and if it does cause rain where you want it to then it's worth 
that time and effort and money mm-hmm. versus yeah. not doing anything right so like from the insurance company's basis like they run it through you know risk risk cost benefit calculator type deal you know mm-hmm. that one that they all use probably um yeah that one that one um they they decided that it's worth that you know nominal cost to fund this initiative and the people who are doing it they get to fly planes into storms which i guess i presume they like otherwise they wouldn't be doing it it seems like some adrenaline junkies were in the cloud or in the cloud in the crowd yes well even the guy presenting you you could tell like as he was watching that video he was like reliving it in his head oh yeah he got a big grin across his face whenever he was describing his time in the planes yeah no it was cool to see like that that was something he was able to do um and then you know from from the health and safety standpoint like if these governments and the scientific community haven't found it you know the silver iodide that they use to have an effect on the health of the people you know having that precipitation have that silver iodide in it then it's not a big deal if these companies want to privately fund it like it's not enough for the governments to put money into it and i don't know if in places like california if the governments are the ones putting the money into it i i don't I don't know i thought it was but i mean it could be wrong yeah like hearing that this is privately funded i wouldn't be surprised if some of the other ones are are privately funded as well so um but i think my my initial reaction hearing that is a privately funded thing i'm like well like what gives them the right to decide what places get hail and what places don't right um but then it's like okay well if the scientific community doesn't even think that it has it may or may not have an effect and it's like well i guess i'm okay just knowing that it's probably gonna hail where it wants to anyway yeah in a reasonably liberal society it's like well i can't prove that it does or does not do anything so fill your boots i guess <laughs> as long as i don't have to pull your body out of somewhere you know, do what you want pull your body out of somewhere yeah, well, that's why there are certain rules around, like, uh, I want to say wearing life jackets and stuff like that, because it's expensive to haul dead bodies out of the water. And so that's really why it's illegal. To, to boat without a life jacket? Or things like that. Like, I think suicide is illegal in certain places, but it's more... Isn't it illegal everywhere? I don't know. I'm now talking out of my ass. Um, fairly sure suicide is illegal there's certain things you can't that are outlawed but it's i've heard like the immediate counter argument is like oh well you're gonna be dead so who cares but they're like no because they have to fish you out of wherever and it causes a ton of effort and that's why they don't want you to I'm do i'm actually it. curious about that like if someone is has a failed suicide attempt like would the police press charges against that person it seems like a very Florida thing to do, I want to say. <laughs> I would I would hope you would get the person help rather than do that. Well, that's what like, I mean, yeah. But, you know, talk about it being illegal, I don't know. Yeah, like, man, how awful must you feel to first try to commit suicide and then be like, well, you didn't make it, and also here's your bill. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, that's, that's, that's where I was standing on the whole, the whole ethical dilemma i guess was again like if if the science if science doesn't say one way or the other that it does anything then it's like i guess kind of do what you want and if the government again assuming that they actually are looking at it properly if they say that it's not a big deal then it's like i guess yeah if the insurance companies want to pay throw that money at it for their own calculation risk assessment whatever then i guess go ahead and do it and I guess if they're also offering the crop insurance, they're probably, like, you'd rather it hit a crop. Well, <laughs> theoretically, you would rather the seeding work and produce a lot of little hail early or or just have it rain out instead of hail out early rather than, you know, have the big chunks of hail, like, break windows in Calgary because that cost adds up quickly. Well, and that was where my, you know, you mentioned the question that I asked. Like, I, I use the trolley problem as a example or as a, as an analog for the situation that these hail mitigation people are embarking on. Um, 
basically choosing who gets the hail for the sake of other people possibly maybe maybe not (laughs) Uh, i think i they did say the dream scenario was that it comes out of rain comes out as rain instead of hail but you know continuing on is 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 like a trolley problem where the lever may or may not be hooked up to the track (laughs) and you're and And also like blindfolded and you're blindfolded so you don't actually know which way the trolley went but you're still pulling the lever with intent and the trolley might just turn into a splash wave or a a wave of water at the (laughs) end instead of being the actual train exactly so it's, it's, it's a modified trolley problem (laughs) <laughs> a heavily modified trolley problem i don't know if you've have you seen the trolley problem memes on facebook before i know i've shared a couple i don't know if you i've definitely seen them. a couple yeah so like there's a trolley problem memes page i think i know they're on facebook i don't know if they're on other other sites or like twitter or instagram or whatever but they basically post variations of the trolley problem similar to that the idea of hail mitigation being a trolley problem but they'll replace the person pulling the lever with something or they'll replace the trolley with something or replace the people on the tracks with something like to illustrate some other scenario. Like they had one like back when like Harambe was a thing in the news, they did like a Harambe trolley problem. Right. <laughs> so it's like, and again, that, that, that is actually a pretty good situation where there is a yeah, trolley that, problem. That is a situational trolley problem. I, I want to say the modification I saw was probably on the subreddit wholesome memes. So it was like shower these people with love and affection or shower everyone with love and affection. And I was like furiously pulling the lever or something. (laughs) So it could be shower everyone with love and affection, but yeah, these are my dark corners of the internet. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of dark corners on Reddit. (laughs) Yep. There's a lot of bright corners too. That's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. It's not quite 4chan, but you know. No. At least at least the dark corners are often labeled or disclaimed as such. Mm-hmm. So. Which is helpful. It is helpful. Yes. Quite. Yeah. I I was so jazzed about that talk. I you, hope he talks again. I do too. I even, I even really liked that one. Um, he had that one picture, which was like the first sort of proof tests that it might work. Where they flew over a small cloud and dropped silver iodide on it, and you could see the strips where the silver iodide had hit, because like it had nucleated and then fallen out. And I guess it was in those circumstances they definitively proved that that uh, cloud seeding worked, because it was this little cloud that wasn't actually doing anything, and then they dropped stuff on it and it rained a bit, and they were like, ha ha. Would you look at that? But like, supercells too complicated. Yeah, is that what that was? Was relating to the supercell systems? Because I know they they actually brought up they qualified a lot of those statements, like the the ones that the scientific agencies were putting out regarding cloud seeding, and they specifically mentioned that supercells are too chaotic and not easily quantifiable. Yeah, and that that that's why they couldn't make a definitive call right. because of the supercell. And I mean, that makes sense because it's a very chaotic system, but at the same time that's also the system of interest because that's the one that actually makes the hail you're worried about. So like, what do you do? Right. And and yeah, maybe cuz I was I was about to say I'd be interested to hear the justifications or explanations from someone who has looked at this like a unbiased third party type thing and their conclusion of it being inconclusive i guess you know like where where is that decision or judgment coming from like looking at these vertically integrated liquid plots like like to me that that is fairly heavy evidence toward cloud seeding being a thing like it working so, well i mean regardless of its efficacy it is a thing people do it i mean it having an effect this, I know people do it. Yeah. I I was actually sitting I was sitting in the gym before this, like working out and going, I wonder if I wonder if he'd give us the plots. I wonder if we could just have those to look at. Wouldn't that be cool? Like the ones he showed or other ones? 
I, I would love to see all of the raw data and see if any, like, if you could make any sort of calls. Right. Well, I know the government has mandated that they keep records of all of their stuff, basically. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, that presentation he gave was using information that's presumably been archived. That, that's possible. And also he did, I think it was something like, Oh, hey, guys, remember last Tuesday, all that hail? This is that storm. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'd love to see more of it. So we should look into that because we could possibly request it through some official channels or maybe ask the guy or we go for the super long con, not necessarily con, but con, but we go for the super long game. We both become meteor meteorologists we scorn the flashy TV side of things. And then... <laughs> Wait, are I'm you talking guessing... about being weathermen or meteorologists? <laughs> Those are two very okay. different people. I want to believe that most weathermen are meteorologists or have some meteorological training. I, I want to believe that too, but... Okay, so before I doubt the entirety of my life, um, I think in as little as 10 to 15 years, we could probably get access to those plots. At that point, like two decade old plots that are probably not very good anymore. But I think what we do you could say? make a freedom of information request. <laughs> That'd be my route. You could even like fashion an aluminum foil hat and walk into the office, and that would lend credence to your freedom of information request. I, I want to so. know about the silver iodide. <laughs> it's turning the frogs gay. <laughs> I uh. I was tempted to ask about chemtrails in the talk. <laughs> I'm so sorry you didn't. Oh I, my God. I, I felt like that'd be too mocking of the whole idea. Like I, I would I was... have disowned you as a friend immediately after. Like <laughs> I wouldn't have been seen with you the rest of the night, but that would have been hilarious. Like a room full of weather enthusiasts and you're asking about chemtrails. Oh that's God. like going into like some <laughs> medical talk and asking about like anti-vaxxers. Like, like, like that thing so, that happened when we were there. I guess that that did actually did. I was I was thinking about that movie and being like, I feel like something did happen in that movie, and that actually was the asset that's what the vaccines train. I think the one guy from the back, like, have you seen the the documentary Vax? Did you know all the big pharma companies are a bunch of crooks? What do you have to say about that? Like, <laughs> God, yeah, ah, oh, very entertaining. But at least now we know that when someone brings up chemtrails, it'd be like, if you're referring to the silver iodide cloud seeding, then yes, that is a thing. <laughs> Mind controlling substances. No, those are not a thing. No, no. It's surprising how little silver iodide it takes too. It's yes. like on most of their trips, unless it's a really bad night, they go through less than 50 pounds, like less than a really big bag of potatoes. Like one of those commercial bags. Yeah. Yeah, he he referred to it as a bag of fertilizer, mm -hmm. which is a more apt comparison yeah, given that he knows it's his audience in exactly. Alberta. Yeah. Well, I mean, fertilizer is chemicals and silver iodide is chemicals. I mean, everything's a chemical, but you know what I mean. I went down that rabbit hole recently too. You can check my Facebook feed. Did it's you? all there. I did. I looked up several different different definitions of what a chemical substance is, and it's because someone said they had these these cloths or something for cleaning, and they said, you know, it it disinfects naturally because it has silver woven into it, so it doesn't use chemicals. But then they went, <laughs> but wait, is the silver a chemical? And then I I looked up a bunch of different definitions, and I came to the conclusion that I don't know. <laughs> I have. I have the degree, but I don't know what a chemical is. How do you not know? Well, because some things will say it's a purified substance, in which case, like, yeah, the silver probably is a purified substance. It was taken from ore. It was processed into silver. It was, uh, what do you call it? pulled into the little fibers, and then it was woven into a cloth, and that's a purified substance in a cloth. But, like, you could also say it's, I think they say it's, like, like manufactured or like it whatever the definition was it it referred more to like compounds and things like that because then a compound 
is definitely not silver because silver is just silver. It's not mm. it, it's not compounded with any other substances. But that's not the only definition of a of a chemical. So Right. I can tell you what some of those atoms will do in very specific circumstances, but I can't tell you what a chemical is definitively. My understanding was a chemical was like anything that has like an element in it, which would be everything. Well, you can also say a substance whose structure, you know, structure, structure or composition. And then in that case, the silver is a chemical because you know the structure and the composition, but you could also argue that a tree is a chemical because you know the structure and composition roughly of what makes up the cellulose well, it has, in that well, it has tree. carbon in it, right? That's the idea of, like, that's the structure that you know is the carbon in the tree, isn't it? Well, specifically the cellulose, like, because it's not just carbon, because then it would be like a tree that's a diamond or a tree that's like, graphite right but i the the and i guess that's that's what i mean i don't know is it you know the, by, by you know the, the carbons the hydrogens the oxygens right so by the definition if the definition is anything that has an element in it then nothing would not be a chemical correct but i feel like there should be some distinction between things not being chemicals yeah yeah mm -hmm. i'd say you could cue the angry letters now but we don't really get those anymore I like I like the approach of so okay so you're saying that when someone's like oh it doesn't have chemicals it's healthy it's like well everything has chemicals like everything is a chemical like it's those people are also grossly mistaken in most in most cases because they're like oh I use I use vinegar as my cleaner and it doesn't have any chem chemicals in it well yes it does it has ethanoic acid with the IUPAC naming you might know it as acetic acid or Vitamin C. I don't know, probably some other one, but it's it's wine that was naturally converted to vinegar, and that's a natural disinfectant. It's better for you. Yeah, like it's or like you can use vitamin C and it's not chemicals. Well, yes, vitamin C is a chemical. It's purified or it's either synthesized or it's isolated and purified. That's that's what I'm wondering. Is like where is the line of that statement not being? accurate i don't because like i am getting animated on this question you can talk hail to me all you want but like so there was at one point a theory of a theory uh, not a theory a hypothesis anyway there was this thing called vitalism and they believed that living things had some uh some specific attribute that we couldn't necessarily recreate in an artificial environment. And they believed that urea was one such example. And I think, forgive me, I think it's a single carbon with nitrogens on either side, fully saturated, more or less with uh, hydrogen. Structure is almost certainly different from that, but it's like carbon, nitrogen, and hydrogen, maybe some oxygen in there. Anywho, um, so urea was believed to be this thing that we could never synthesize because animals make it and it's just special. It's something that comes from the vital spirit of living beings. And then someone... That's what I think every morning when I wake up. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind then. Because several hundred years ago, someone synthesized urea and they were like, yo, what up? And that was the counterexample to vitalism that... I mean, people probably still believed it, but... You know, that was the the first nail in the coffin. Hmm. So where were you and going so with then, this? As... Well, because then you could say like, well, if it's not a chemical, or you could say that if living beings make it, then it's not a chemical. But that the supposition there is that there is something to the theory of vitalism and there isn't. And even then, like, I think some people use more like vitalistic definitions. And apparently that was one reason that we were allowed to use acetone in undergrad labs and just kind of fling it everywhere. Because I think it's it's either acetone or ethanol or something like that. It's one of those solvents, but diabetics exhale it in very small amounts. And that's why it doesn't count as a chemical, because your body creates it naturally. Are you saying so you can get drunk off natural, of a diabetic's breath? Not if it's acetone. If it's acetone, then like... I mean, in the amounts it's created it's obviously non-lethal because they're alive when they're exhaling it but i think i heard maybe it was on an episode of house or one of those shows where a guy came in 
and his body just naturally produced alcohol. So he was like always drunk. Oh, that's um, that's actually something that can happen with uh, brewer's yeast. It'll set up shop in your gut, and then mm-hmm. when you have a starchy meal, you just get wasted. Oh, that's yeah. I think that's what it was. That every time they had sugar, what is sugar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, when sugar they had sweets, they'd get like hammered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember reading a case file about it, and like the guy was just getting just just crazy amounts of alcohol in his bloodstream because. When you drink, it's going through the whole digestive system, and especially like in populations similar to ours, you like it gets processed a little bit before it hits the bloodstream. But once it's in your gut, that's just like it's right in there, no filtration. Mm. So, where did we land on the chemical versus non chemical thing? I still don't know. Okay, there'll be follow up, I guess. I will there. <laughs> it's just gonna be like a never ending philosophical conversation. I guess I I just want to be confident in my reply to people who say that they're not comfortable using chemicals or, or eating food with chemicals in them. Well, then you can't eat food. Can you? I don't know. You're saying you're saying you don't know if that's an accurate statement. Well, there's going to be chemicals in the food. Will there? I mean, you could have isolates that you would consider chemicals and those things will be in the food. What if I have just like natural, organic, gluten-free bread? Then that, it's not natural it sounds, it's gluten-free. It sounds so healthy. No chemicals. Wheat naturally has gluten in it, though. Is wheat a chemical? I don't know. <laughs> Is it? What do you think? Tweet at us. Hashtag chemicals are great. <laughs> Is butter a carb? Is gluten a chemical? I think is butter a carb is a fairly established answered question. You know, it may be a little more, uh, a little more debated than you might think. Is it? I don't actually know. It's just a movie reference. I didn't realize it at first when Rob said it, but then he said it. And really and truly, I just need to rewatch Mean Girls. Mm. I haven't watched that one in a long time. You want to have a movie night? I do. Cool. All right. Let's do it. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah, do you have, uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on? I think we covered most of the stuff. Um, again, yeah. my, my apologies for not having my notes in front of me. We basically talked about this without mentioning oh, that's any okay. specific I... names or organizations or anything, but. I didn't actually take any notes. So for me to criticize you would be profoundly hypocritical. Um, This is true enough. I want to do what I feel Rob's portion of the show would be and say that the relevant hashtags from the presentation were hashtag AB storm and hashtag SK storm. And that's, that's how it's discussed on Twitter. You can do that on there. You can, we will, we will have the, links to the organizations involved in this presentation in the show notes for those interested in learning more about storm chasing and weather science and all that kind of good stuff. Um, the people there did seem very knowledgeable and cool people to talk to for sure. Oh man, it was super cool. I, if you, once we figure out who the guy actually was, I highly recommend you go to any talks he gives. Cause it was, it was really neat. He yeah. had a lot of stuff to say. And they, they showed a couple like weather pictures as well. So I, I presume there's a handful of photographers that are kind of in the community as well. So I know photography is a thing. So if you're interested in photography and looking for new things to photograph, then that's a, a community to check out some pretty cool, cool stuff going on for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's about it. I think. Me too. How was your, uh, your Fitatron today? Uh, I, I don't think the HVAC system in that gym is super robust. So I got wet. I was, I was wearing the Fitatron 5000 shirt that you got for me and it, it was drenched. It was to the point where like the sweat from like my stomach kind of area was coming up and meeting with the sweat that had come down my (laughs) neck. And like, I also 
you do you know one arm rose where you kind of like you lean yourself over a bench and then you just yeah. pull the you pull the weight back towards you i like that one i get pretty drippy when that happens because mm-hmm. i have a prominent nose and also a beard so the sweat will drip off my nose and also it will kind of collect in my beard as it runs down my face but then as i tilt forward it's like oh hey look <laughs> just like it had suddenly been seated or something and it just drops all the liquid so it was it was sweaty I feel like it was probably a good workout. That's good. I'm not 100% sure. Do you track, like, how heavy you can lift and that kind of stuff? Uh, ish. It's not... I'm not doing, like, a strong lifts program or anything, so I'm not increasing every week. It's more if I feel that I think I'm supposed to... If I can do more than, like, 13... If I'm going into 13 to 15 reps, then it's time to up the weight. And I've upped the weight twice since starting three months ago for a couple exercises but i've also dropped it in some cases because i realized i wasn't doing it with proper form and if i'm not going to do it with proper form why do it at all unless you're like a gym bro this is why i will never get jacked because i'm like well i mean (laughs) i could lift a heavier weight but why what's the point you've got to do like the two inch bench presses that people do (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh, they love those. Just uh, queue up. <laughs> I don't think we can do it legally, but if you could queue up Jennifer Lopez's "Do It Well" intro. Do it, do it, you do it, do it, you're doing it well. That's how I. That's how I do it at the gym. Okay. <laughs> Is it a video or a song? Both. Okay. Yeah. I'll make note of it. Do it well. Intro. That's a note. It is a note. Mm-hmm. I've been doing ball hockey weekly for the past yeah. three weeks. Are you still doing uh, the nine round? No, so I stopped that. My last time there was two weeks ago. Okay, and judging from the uh, heart rate monitoring I've seen from your floor hockey... It seems like that is a reasonable substitution. Yes. Yes, quite. It, I, I still don't know. We'll have to have a separate topic on this another time. Uh, maybe when Rob gets back. But how to interpret heart rate monitor calorie burn. But that's a separate thing. But ba- based on that, my average and max heart rates are basically exactly the same as they are in the kickboxing I was doing. Okay. So, um, I haven't done any, started any weight training and that kind of thing, but I do have, well, I had a week trial for the Y, so I'm planning on doing the full membership for there. So I can at least use their showers after like a run when I go during the day. Yeah. Um, but hopefully I'll start a weight program once I find a good one to start. So I, I feel like, I mean, if I was biking more, like if I was in a position where I could bike to work. What I would really like to do is do just cycling all day, air day in the summer, and then just do weight tra- weight training in the winter. Yeah, because I just think like it's a nice activity you can do inside. Yeah, I I wanted to do that, but needing to pick up Emma after work, it kind of throws a wrench in being able to reliably commute back on a bike. Yeah. So like I'd have to <laughs> just just throw a seat on the back there. <laughs> Well, we, we do have like the trail thing so I could like trail her bike behind mine, but that would not be Get ideal. back home in like two hours. <laughs> no biggie. Yeah. So like I could drive with my bike, then park, ride my bike the rest of the way, and then ride my bike back and then drive from there. But there's the timing. It doesn't work out. Like mm. from when I leave work, I basically have to drive the whole way to make it back in time so i wouldn't really have time to ride my bike and then get on get the car and then be from there so um but no i'm i'm able to fit in like a 5k run at lunch so that seems to to satisfy my it's good desire to exercise you uh i sincerely and truly hate running so you have my sincerest kudos thank you I, i i am getting in better shape i was able to score a couple goals last time nice. in hockey it's pretty excited but 
I, I actually Snipped her bar down. Did you have yourself a celly, bud? <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't go bar down. I don't. I don't get those kinds of goals. I usually get oh, okay. garbage goals or tap ins or something. It's not. <laughs> a couple guys hey, went bar down. Still a goal. Yeah, there's there's definitely a celly though. Don't worry. Good. Good. To not disappoint. Do you know what a healthy average and max heart rate is for intense physical activity? Oh, it's usually like prescribed by your age, I think. Because mine is, when I look at the zone or whatever, like it's always max or higher. Like I know, I know it's prescribed by age, but like even my resting heart rate is quite a bit higher than I think it's supposed to be. What's your resting heart rate? Ninety-ish. Oh, that is high. Yeah. Do you have low blood pressure? I don't know. Because typically those are associated. I'll have to check. I think in the times where I've checked, like at shoppers or whatever, like it hasn't been abnormally high. It's just I think my heart rate's always been higher no, uh, than it's supposed low. to be, or abnormally or oh, low. Low blood pressure. The pressure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, no, if it's pressure. low pressure, your your heart has to work harder right. to pump it through. Right. Yeah. No, I don't know. Like, and that's why I've been hoping that through exercising more, like my heart rate will ideally start going down. I think that's in theory what it's supposed to do. As your body gets used to yeah. physical activity more. But I haven't really seen that. Like my max heart rate has more or less stayed the same when I'm exercising. Hmm. So we'll have to see. Like it's still fairly early in my getting back onto the physical activity horse. So we'll see see how it goes. Yeah. My blood pressure has come down from like the borderline, the borderline like bad to into the normal range. So that's, I'm happy with that. Bad as in high or low? High. So what causes a high blood pressure? Uh, salt, stress, yeah. variety of factors, so lethargy. Your, your exercise has helped? Yeah. It seems yeah. Good. Since I've started going to the gym, it's, it's dropped, which yeah. is good. Cool. My, my resting heart rate has stayed more or less the same, which makes sense because I'm not actually doing like cardiovascular exercise usually. But it's it is odd because I I'm going by the Fitbit to tell me what my resting heart rate is. But I have woken up in the morning and then looked at my Fitbit and it's just on heart rate for whatever reason. And it's lower than what it tells me where my resting heart rate is. So shrug. While you're so while you're active, your heart rate is lower. Oh no no. While I'm lying down in bed, it's lower than my resting heart rate. Oh, I see. I think yeah, the resting heart rate well, I guess it depends on like your emotional environment too. Like if you're there sleeping, must be like a definitional structure or something like that. A what now? A, a, or sorry, a definitional issue, like of what resting heart rate actually is. Like it could be sitting in a chair versus lying down or something. Right, or just I mean, like if you're engaged in like a mental exercise, like your heart rate's gonna be higher because you're thinking and possibly stressing about something versus. <laughs> Lying down, yeah. getting ready to I'm, sleep. I'm also just on the note of having a heart rate monitor on myself at all, on my person at all times. There have been some conversations at work, and I can go back and look at the heart rate monitor for the day and go, oh, that's exactly when that happened. So have you actually done that before? Yeah. Well, for what purpose? Just curiosity? Uh, Well, like, because you're standing there and you can feel your heart pounding as things get discussed, and then... Like, out of curiosity, go, wait a minute. I wonder what that actually looks like on a graph. Oh, so, like, it was literally just you wanted to see what it looked like through a video. Yeah. yeah. Turns out it looks like a spike. Yeah. Who to thunk? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I should probably let you get to bed. You're probably... I need to tired. bathe. So, yes. that's important. It is. Although, I've also I've tried to go to bed early, and it just doesn't seem to work. So, what? I don't know. I, I got find 45 it, minutes. Yeah. I find I don't feel sleepy after exercise. Like I feel physically like spent, but I'm not like mentally tired usually. One would define, I believe the psychological definition would be aroused mm. or the term. Spicy. You're mentally aroused. That's right. <laughs> All right. Good talk, Mike. That was a good talk. I hope it, I hope it <laughs> comes out well in the edit. Me too. It won't just be...
Bodega. Ah. It's been a while since we did this. It really has. I'm not in the rhythm. Are you in the rhyme? I don't know the reference. I'm sorry. Let's, let's go, boys. It's bobsled time. Cool Runnings? Are you for real? I, I know of the movie, and I saw it when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. Nicholas. Are you, and you call yourself a Kilgarian, and you've never seen Cool Runnings. Michael, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm more than sorry. I'm sorry. You and Kaya will have to add that to your watch list. Okay, so Mean Girls, Cool Runnings. No, Mean Girls is with you. Cool Runnings with the Misses. Yes. And yeah, it should, That's should see us through. That's a good start. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs>